0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. I believe that God the Father wants us to achieve His best in life. Don't you? We don't want to wander in the wilderness and never get into God's best, do we? See, the Israelites never made it into the promised land under the leadership of Moses. And that promised land had a wealth of riches and blessings that they were denied because they did not obey And they did not believe. So we want to pick up where we left off and teach along the lines of achieving God's best for our lives so that each and every one of us can know how to obtain God's best spiritually, mentally, physically, and in every area of life. Shall we pray? Father, we delight ourselves in You and we thank You for Your Word. Your words are spirit in their life, so we call upon the ministry of your spirit to unveil and unfold unto our spirits the treasures of your word. We thank you for receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds as we now set ourselves and channel ourselves to receive your word and revelation knowledge. Now enlarge our capacity so that we may receive more and more of this revelation knowledge in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, while I'm reviewing, you don't need to turn to all the scriptures, but while I'm reviewing, you might want to find Matthew chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 11. Matthew chapter 6 and Hebrews chapter 11. And just put your finger somewhere in there or put your bookmarker there. One of those chapters and turn to the other. Matthew 6. And Hebrews chapter 11. Our central truth is God's best is obtainable through personal faith by following Jesus closely. We're not talking about coming in on a sunny morning and just getting spiritually blessed, and maybe even getting a need met, maybe being healed in your body or receiving an answer to prayer. See, that's not God's best, although that's part of it. God has a way whereby we can enter into a place of rest. And that should be the goal of every believer is to enter into the rest that God has pre-planned that we should enter into. Because, you see, before giving birth to us, our Father pre-planned and made provision or provisions for our success before giving birth to us. He didn't just bring us into this world and say, well, now I'm just going to try to figure out what I can do to bless you. No, He first blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and then gave birth to us. So provisions have already been made for our complete success. As a matter of fact, you know what the full gospel is? The total gospel for the total deliverance of the complete man, the total man, spirit, soul, and body. Everything we need for absolute success, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, materialistically, in this life, has already been provided. First Timothy 4.8 says, Godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of the life that now is, and of that one which is to come. The promise. Amen. Then we went on to say that our Father loves us affectionately. He cares about us watchfully and affectionately. And he desires our success. He just doesn't want us to go through this life begging and being a pauper and just barely getting along. No, that's not it. It's it's sad to say, but there are so many Christians that are living on the side of defeat. Let's climb the mountain of victory. Hallelujah. Let's stay up there. You hear about these valley experiences. The only valley experience a believer should have is to go down and get somebody out of the valley and come back on the mountain with them. Leave your mountain just for a while to go get somebody hurting and bring them up other ways and say, Come on, it's nice up here. It's a good view. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I guess the best thing I better say because I could preach on these four points just for, forever. <laughs> Glory to God. And that is that our Father wants us to prosper, not through covetousness. See, when you hear the, the, the faith message and you hear the prosperity message, people just right away become covetous. Start using their faith to get rich. That's not what God's plan is all about. Gain is not godliness, but godliness brings great gain. So he wants us to prosper through godliness by following Jesus closely. He doesn't want us to prosper through covetousness by following the ways of the world. There are many professions, and I said it last Wednesday evening, there are many professions in the, in the world that you just can't, you know, be involved in in life. Although they may bring you great wealth and riches, but bless God, you better get out of it. What shall a man gain if, he gain if he or profit if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? What does he gain? Nothing. Why? Because in the day that he dies, his thoughts, plans, and purposes perish. But the believer who seeks after the kingdom of God and his righteousness by following godliness, that fellow, when he dies, the Bible says, his achievements that he has attained in this life follow him in as eternal rewards. So, you see, beloved, Whatever we do for the kingdom of God by pursuing godliness does not die when we die physically. But they follow us in as eternal rewards. So it's important we understand the principle here. Godliness will bring you great gain, but you'll not be involved in following after covetousness. And that's where we see in Matthew chapter 6 over here. Look at verse 24. And we'll endeavor to pick it up. I just can't get into everything. You have to get the tape from Wednesday evening. Because if I did, we'd be here for an hour just getting into that, wouldn't we? Verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot. Everybody say cannot. "Cannot." Now, Jesus said it. I'm I'm not saying it. I'm just quoting the master. Jesus said you can't. You can't serve God and riches. You can't serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God. And the key word is serve. You can't serve God and riches. That's why in the previous verses he said, up there in verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Why? Well, there's moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves will break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So, you see, you can't serve two masters. If you're going to just live this life to, to, to buy yourself a house and to buy yourself a car and to get all the things that you want to be satisfied in the natural. How many of you know that you can never be satisfied in the natural? Someone says, if I make just $15,000 a year, I'll be satisfied. They start making twenty. Oh, if I just make $25,000 a year, I'll tell you, i would just have it all and I'd be satisfied. They start making thirty. i will tell you, if I made 35000 we could really get along. I'll tell you what, you see, human nature is never satisfied. They start making $500,000 a year. Oh, how many millionaires go broke? It's amazing. Here we are making, you know, know, the average individual making just a, a, a moderate salary. And we hear about those great big movie stars making millions of dollars and they're bankrupt. Dear Lord. We better get off of that because we'll stay there for too long. Hallelujah. So, you can't serve God and riches. So, so what Jesus is saying unto us, we need to make a choice, right? Choose. Choose which way you're going to go. It's either all out for God or all out for mammon. Are you ready for this? If you stay lukewarm, you'd be miserable. If you stay lukewarm like in the middle, you will be miserable in life. Because, you see, when you're lukewarm, God's just not in a position to be able to help us like He wants to. It's like we're doing it on our own. Oh, what a God that many of us would just sit back and say, look, we're not going to be well off in this life by following our own ways. We had it already pre-pl- pre-planned in our minds. I'm going to work for about ten years as hard as I can, two jobs, three jobs, and, and after that I'm going to retire. Everything's going to be okay. You know what Jesus said about that? I said, Do you know what? Jesus, not me, Jesus. I'm quoting Jesus, because I don't believe in calling anybody this, but if Jesus did, then I can repeat Jesus. Jesus said, you fool. That's what He said. He says, because on the day that you die, and the day that you get called to leave this body, and leave this realm, and you stored up your barn so full, and you know what? I've seen many just working in the mill. The few years I worked in the mill, I saw many just... I mean, they were just so hungry for money. I mean... They'd get a young fellow and bump him off of a job who had to provide for a young wife and children, and they was already well off. They've already worked. But they'd take your, you know, your extra turn away from you or whatever, just like that, at the snap of a finger to bump you off so you couldn't make even a living. And I've seen them. They walk in on the, I'm going to retire this week. Is that right? And I've got myself just, I'm already comfortable. I've worked so hard all my life. And one fellow just walked in the mill where I worked, punched in that card the last day. And the moment he punched it in, He fell over dead right there. Worked hard for what? Now he was going to enjoy life. Or was (laughs) he? Oh, dear Lord. I don't care if you make the multi-millions and say, now I'm going to sit back and relax. Jesus said, that man is foolish. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, I want to show you something here. It's just a blessing to me. And the Lord is really showing some things to my spirit that are just causing... Oh causing my spirit to just do flip-flops, if you know what I mean. <laughs> if you want God's best, you're going to have to serve God. If you want God's best, you're going to have to turn away from the riches of this world. Now listen, in a sense that you're not pursuing or seeking them through covetousness. Because when you seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, those things will be what? Amen. Add it unto you. Add it unto you. In other words, He doesn't want you to get them for yourself. He wants them to be added unto you because you serve Him. Do you see that? It's not what I did. It's but because I followed Him. It's what He did for me. That's what He wants. He wants us to humble ourselves before Him. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Our main objective in this life is to store up treasures in heaven, knowing that our achievements will follow us in as eternal rewards. And until we make the decision to do that, beloved, we're never really going to understand or know the purpose, plan, and the will of God for our lives. There are so many that want to know God's perfect purpose, plan, and will for their lives. But you see, we don't want to do what it takes to obtain that. We have to do what it takes to enter into that perfect purpose, plan, and will. And Jesus said, if you're going to come and follow me, the first thing you're going to have to do, number one thing, is to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Deny yourself of what? Following your own dreams, desires, purposes, and plans in life. You might sit back and say, I've always dreamed of having this home, this beautiful big home and a beautiful piece of property and... And maybe with some animals out there, boy, it's been my heart's dream and desire. I wanted all these beautiful things. Well, that's the immediate thing that you want, see? And so what do you do? You start working as hard as you can. You start putting in all the time that you can. You start putting in all the finances that you can. You start doing everything you possibly can for what purpose? To achieve or to attain that one goal that you may have in life. You may have to deny yourself of that. Now listen. That doesn't mean you won't get it in this life. Are you getting this language? Because, you see, faith is a little tricky if you don't listen carefully. You may have to deny yourself of getting it for yourself. See? Deny yourself of getting it for yourself. Be willing to give up that dream of attaining that for yourself, for the kingdom of God. Knowing that, he said, all those things will be added unto you. See, he wants our lives to be centered around promoting his kingdom, promoting his work, promoting following Jesus to the body of Christ. And he says, in the process, all the things you desire in life will be added to you. You won't get it for yourself. It'll be added unto you. So important that we understand this. Now, look at what Moses did. He's a classic example of this. Hebrews 11 and verse... 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Notice, by faith. You circle that. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Circle the word, well, you can circle by faith again, but in that scripture you have another word of utmost importance, and that is the word refused. Everybody say refused. All right, Moses refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That means he refused inheriting the wealth, the riches, the fame, and the glory of being heir to the throne. He refused all that the world had to offer. Egypt is a type of the world. And Moses was in a position to attain or to achieve wealth, fame, honor, glory, anything you want to say. He had himself in a position, it would have just fall on him. Just like ripe cherries up tree, just fall right on him. It's all yours, Moses. Everybody say refused. Moses refused. See, we're not going to find that plan, purpose, and will of God until we refuse to do our own thing. Till we refuse to follow our own desires. Till we refuse to follow the ways of this world. And when we make the decision to refuse, it doesn't stop there. Notice the next word in the next verse. Choosing. Choosing. Hallelujah. He made a choice. Choosing rather. Glory to God. Rather what? Well, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He refused and He chose. Oh, you might be in a very lucrative position right now. Hallelujah. I mean, someone offered you an offer you just cannot refuse, but you know it's going to involve corruptness in your, in your work. It may be a line of business that's going to involve corruption. It may be a, a line of business that's going to cause you to, to enter into sin or what you do to promote sin. And I'll tell you, it's going to make you the wealthiest person. You might be able to enter into a deal, a business deal, a little bit shady, but, man, it's going to make you some money. It's going to set you up for life. No. No. Moses refused choosing. Joshua said, "...Serve whom ye may, but as for me, in my house..." We shall serve the Lord. And Moses says, I refuse to serve the world. I choose to suffer affliction. Well, look look at the rest of that. With the people of God then to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. Greater riches. "...than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward." And one translation says that Moses looked at the ultimate, not the immediate, reward. See, there was an ultimate reward to be attained or achieved. So, he did not have his eyes focused on the immediate reward. And it may look like this is the deal for you. I mean, just come on, just get into this thing right now and you're going to be rich. And you think, all oh, my life's problems are just going to stop. No, no, he could have been wealthy and rich and had fame and honor, but he chose not to. He refused to, choosing the riches of Christ. And notice there are riches in Christ. Riches, oh, riches that the mind can never grasp. Wealth and riches that we could never, never, never come to realize. Just trying to think it through with the carnal mind. There's a place that Moses chose to enter into in the realm of God that caused him to glow with the glory and the power and the omnipresence of God when he came down from Mount Sinai in such a way that his face shone with the glory of God you talk about sustenance. He went 40 days without food, shelter, and only had the clothes on His back. But He was clothed with the glory of God. And that clothing meant He didn't have to eat. He didn't have to drink. He wasn't on a fast of hunger and thirst. He was on a 40-day fast in the presence of the Almighty, whereas He was totally sustained by the glory of God. That's what He chose. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's what He chose. But what's What's the Bible saying? See, Jesus is saying to us, you can't have both. You cannot put forth all your energies to attaining things in this life that's going to promote us in this physical realm and expect to achieve or attain to the things of God that's going to bring glory from God to us. You just can't do it. Have to deny yourself of some things in the beginning. Set aside some things. So you can attain to the knowledge of the glory of God. Look at what he... Well, Paul's a classic example of this also, but we'll get to him in a minute. But it goes on to say that he had respect for the recon, unto the recompense of the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Now he tells you how you can do it. And I like to just take Egypt out and just put the world there. By faith, he forsook the world, system. You know, when we, were, when we were being led into the perfect plan, purpose, and will of God for our lives... We forsook the world. I didn't know it back then. I see it now. I didn't know it back then. I just thought I was just doing what God said to do. But I realized that we forsook the world. Because when He said, I want you to go to such and such a place, to Tulsa, we said, yes, Father, we'll do that. We forsook everything that we lived for. We forsook everything that life meant to us. Anything that had meaning in life, the place we wanted to live, the house we wanted to live in, the job that I had, the security that I had in the job, and all of its benefits. Our families, we forsook them and left and says we've got to go. We just have to pursue the plan, purpose, and will of God for our lives. And we just forsook Egypt. Not knowing. No, I didn't say knowing. Not knowing what the future held. We just stepped out. A thousand miles away from home. Without a relative, without a friend, without anybody. There. There you, there you are. Just you and God. That's it. And say we didn't realize. How would you do that? By faith. I guarantee you it was by faith that we did that. Why did you do that? Choosing rather. Hallelujah. All the equity. Everything we've ever achieved or, or gained in this life. Just let it go. And, and gave it all up. For why? For what reason? Why? To achieve or to attain in our lives the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Hallelujah. To pursue His plan, purpose, and will for our lives. And that's what He wants us to do, beloved. Now Moses, and it's sad to say, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible, looking at him. Through faith he kept the Passover. Notice it's all by faith. Verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea. But notice... Between verse 29 and verse 30, there's something left out. Did you notice that? It says in verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down. But when the walls of Jericho fell down, Moses, it did not say Moses was in there. You and I both know it was Joshua that led them into the promised land. There was supposed to be one more scripture in the perfect plan, purpose, and will of God in the life of Moses. One more scripture of faith would have said, By faith Moses entered into the promised land. But you don't see it in that scripture, do you? Why? It came short. Oh, what to God this message is so clearly understood. You, can, you, can, you know, you've got to watch who you follow. We can follow Moses to a certain extent and learn truth and learn some things we should do in life, but you cannot follow too closely because if you do, you'll end up making the same mistake he did. Well, you say, well, how in the world did he fall short? He achieved God's, God's blessings. Yes, he did. As a matter of fact, go back to the book of Numbers and look at... Um, see, we're talking about entering into God's best. God's best does, doesn't just include physical healing and being sustained physically in life, it also includes longevity, doesn't it? Doesn't God's best include long life? Well, find Numbers chapter 20 and also find Deuteronomy close by there. Deuteronomy, the last chapter, verse chapter 34. See, these were written for our example so that we could learn from their mistakes and learn what to do and learn what not to do in life. How many of you want long life? As part of God's best for your life. Sure you do. Well, Moses did not achieve God's best in life. He came close to it, but he did not come all the way. He didn't go all the way. Now notice over there in in Deuteronomy chapter 34, first verse 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim. And nor his natural force abated. He lived to be 120, his eyes were not dim. His natural force is not abated. What it's really saying is that he physically was a specimen of of health and well-being. And you might read that and say, well, that's great to be 120 years old. I mean, how much more could you want? Do you want longer life than that? Well, dear Lord, 120, that's that's a lot of years. And he was full of health. But, see, there's the word but there. But Moses did not achieve God's best in the area of long life. 120? No, he didn't. Why? Because his great-great-grandfather lived to be 137. Because his grandfather lived to be 133. And because his father lived to be 137. Because his sister Miriam lived to be 126. And because his brother Aaron lived to be 123. He died at 120. Why? Well, here's the official reason in in Numbers chapter 20. In verse 12, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron because... Here's the official reason. See, some of us want to know, Why did sister so-and-so die young? Why did brother so-and-so not get healed? Why did this one leave life prematurely? Brothers and sisters, the Bible has answers for these questions. We need to seek diligently to find them out. We need to set goals. If you want to achieve or attain to long life, you better find somebody who lived long. (laughs) Amen? The Bible does not say, Be followers of those who through faith and patience did not inherit the promise. But be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Moses did not inherit the promise of Canaan's land. And I'll explain that in a minute. But Moses came short of that. And here's why. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not. Do you know what the opposite of believe me not is? Believe me. You know what believe me is? Faith. And in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29 and a half, what have said... By faith, Moses entered in the promised land. But it doesn't say that. And here's why. because, See, the Lord tells you why. Because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. Talking about achieving God's best. Now, this is in long life. Longevity. You say, well, what more would he have wanted after 120 years of life? Well, here's what he would have wanted. After 120 years of life, he was supposed to enter into the promises of God, the promised land. That is a land that flows with milk and honey, where there's no sickness, where there's no disease, where there's no miscarriages, where there's no problems in life that are going to overcome and overtake you. Where your bread is blessed, your water is blessed, your land is blessed, and God becomes an enemy to your enemies, an adversary to your adversaries, and there isn't anybody that can come in and destroy you in that place. That's the place God wanted him to enter into. And he would live there another 30 years. Easily another 30 years without sickness, without disease, eating the good of the land, God being so present that the enemy could never get in by the force of God's power there. Oh, wow. So after 120 years in preparation of, or in the actual work of, getting the children of Israel to enter into the promised land, Moses fell short and was denied that long-life desire of taking them in and entering in himself. And so 30 years at least cut off from his life. But not just 30 years. 30 of the best years he would have ever existed. You know, what does that retired man say? I'm retired. And what's the first thing he's going to do? Rest. And what does the book of Hebrews say? You better watch that you don't enter into His rest. What's He saying? When it comes to the time it's ready for you to sit back, you better watch you don't make it. Because you're going to have about 25, 30 years if you make it. How many years He gives us just to sit back and relax and kick off your heels and say, the presence and the glory of God is so profound in my life and the glory of God is so emanating from me and and, and so prevalent in my life and all around me and my families that the enemy can't even touch me. Can't even touch me. See, a place to achieve. You don't get that overnight. They didn't get that overnight, did they? But when they came up to it, they fell short. Now, I want to show you something else. Go go your numbers. Go to Numbers chapter 14 now. But notice he gave up what he gave up to, 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 to start entering into this. See, he chose not the world system. He could have gotten wealthy in the world system, but he chose not to. He chose to follow the Lord wholly, but he fell short. Now, look, here's another fellow by the name of Caleb. And look at Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Now, we're talking about achieving God's best. Now, this fellow achieved God's best. So, who do you want to follow after? You want to follow somebody who achieves God's best or somebody who fell short? Let me make a statement. Those that oppose divine healing, do you know where they get the basis for faith? Well, look at so-and-so. They died young, and they were good Christians. No one said they weren't good Christians. But they died young. They didn't make it. And look at so-and-so here. They didn't get healed, and they didn't make it, and they set them up as examples to follow. Wait a minute. The Bible does not say... Be followers of those who didn't make it. Can you say amen? The Bible says, Be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit. And our attitude should be, Though a thousand fall at my side, and though ten thousand fall at my right hand, it won't come nigh me. And, you know, you're going to get almost criticized and people will say to you, well, well, who do you think you are? Beloved, I'm just following Jesus as closely as I can. And if we follow Jesus as closely as we can, we can say that a thousand will fall at my side and I cannot base my faith on failures. How are you going to base your faith on a failure? You're going to fall just like they did. I've got to base my faith on somebody who inherited the promise. Don't lift up somebody who didn't get healed and say, well, look at so-and-so, didn't get healed, I'm going to follow that. So I believe that way. No. Look at somebody who did and say, I'm going to follow that. And when it's the Holy Ghost, someone says, look at so-and-so. They tried, didn't get the Holy Ghost. You're going to follow that? No. Look at that. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, speak with other tongues, go over to God. Follow that. You see that? You see what he's saying to us? Now, this life of Caleb, a bless you. Look at verse 24. This is the official reason why Caleb and his family entered into Canaan's land. Doesn't that excite you? This is it. This is the official reason. He said you want God's best. Here it is. But, well, back it up. Verse 20. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because, here's why, all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt, in the wilderness, and in the church at Midland, I'm sorry, I didn't say that. You want an answer why those in our churches who do not make it? Oh, Lord, help me. And believe me, I'm not criticizing anybody that doesn't make it all the way. I, that's, that, the last thing I would do is criticize anybody. I'm not up to criticize anybody who doesn't make it. I'm up to exalt somebody who does. Hallelujah. And say, I'm going to follow that person. Glory to God. Paul said, be followers of me like I am of Christ. There's nothing wrong with that but you better find out if they made it before you start following them. Do you see that? Do you see that? Because they saw my miracles. You saw people get healed around these altars and other churches. You saw the miracle-working ministries and you saw them all, all the miracles of God take place. But because... Notice this. Which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened. To my voice, surely he's talking about believing his word. Do you see that? They saw my miracles and they believed in them, and they saw what I did, but they didn't—they didn't believe my word, my voice. They didn't believe what I said to them because they believe me not. In other words, is what he's saying. They've not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. That's no different. That's a type of the body of Christ. That's a type of us today. We laugh at them and say, Them Israelites really didn't make it, did they? Stood in the wilderness and wandered and fell short and didn't enter the promises of God. Boy, oh, if I saw that miracle that happened, if I saw water come out of a rock, if I saw food come out of heaven, if I saw the ten plagues that plagued Egypt, dear Lord, if I saw that cloud of glory in the fire by night, if I saw that, I believe God chores the world. Yeah, and as soon as you needed $5 to stretch out your paycheck, you said, Oh, now where in the world am I going to get $5? Amen? Say amen or say oh me. See, he's talking about a type and an example to us. We've seen miracles, but he's saying, Do you believe my word? If you believe my word, you're going to get the promised land. If you don't believe my word, you're not going to make it. I don't care how many miracles you've seen. That's what he's saying. And he goes on to say, But my servant Caleb... I'm getting excited. You have to excuse me for a while. I just preach this faith. And it just does something to my spirit. But my servant Caleb because... Here's why. Here's the official reason why. Because he saw miracles. Because he followed every miracle ministry around trying to get something. Because he went to every prayer meeting and Bible study. He could find in the town. But my servant Caleb, because because he had another spirit with him, and he followed, hallelujah, circle that word, he followed me. Glory to God. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow. Moses. Glory to God. Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself of that position of wealth and fame. Deny yourself of getting rich quick. Deny yourself of all those desires and dreams. Take up your cross. And follow me closely, because I'll lead you to the promised land. And you'll live long on this earth. You'll have wealth and riches that you didn't produce in your own life. I'll give them to you. I'll bless you with them. I'll make sure your body is well. I'll make sure that your children have no miscarriages in their lives. Your grandchildren you're going to see. And all that I promise to give unto you will I give you. And I'll be your God and you'll be my people. That's what he said. Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory to God. But because my servant Caleb had another spirit with him and followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Oh, hallelujah. Now, you've got to see something here. The Lord showed me just a beautiful thing about this just Caleb fellow. You say, well, why are you talking about Caleb? Well, you know, the Bible says be followers of those who through faith and patience. What's that word again? Inherit or fall short? Inherit. You know Caleb inherited it. Did you know that? That means you can follow a guy like that. Let's look at Joshua chapter 14. And I want to show you just how beautiful it is that he he followed. How he followed the Lord closely. And I want to show you the beauty of it. Oh, if it blesses you like it blessed me, you've got to get your shouting clothes ready. Hallelujah. Get ready to jump. Shout. Just to set your feet to, to dancing. Glory to God. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 7. You say, oh, but I've been working all my life. Forty years I put in the mill. I don't know, my, my dad retired from the mill after 30. Forty years I put on that job. Work so hard. Beloved, listen to this man's testimony. Verse 7. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Well, he was 40 years old. Look at verse 8. Nevertheless... My brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Huh. You want to follow the other ten spies? You'll have a melted heart. Or you want to follow Caleb? You'll have another spirit. You'll have another spirit. A spirit of faith. Okay? But, oh, I love that word but. I, and he's not boasting, he's not bragging on himself, he's not caught up in pride, he's just telling the truth. But I fully followed the Lord, Holy followed the Lord my God. See, someone like that you can follow after. Do you see that? I wholly followed the Lord my God. I did. Now, wait a minute. You want to talk about healing? Why do you want to set up somebody like that who didn't make it? Why don't you set up somebody like Caleb? Let's talk about healing. Can we talk about prosperity? Let's set up somebody like this here. Like Caleb. Do you see what I'm talking about? You see what the faith message is really all about? Oh, glory to God. Look at what it says, verse nine. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. Surely. Surely. Whenever you see surely, he's not talking about a girl. Whenever you see that word surely, he means absolutely for sure. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 it says, Surely he bore our sickness and carried our pain. Surely. Hallelujah. Surely the Lord promised and said, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden. Wait, wait a minute. What land is he talking about? When he has spied out the land back there in Kadesh Barnea, When he was up there as a spy, he was spying out the land. He was walking on that land, spying it out and saying, Yep, yeah, that's a good land, full of milk and honey. Yep, yeah, there's giants in the land, but my God is able. Glory to God. I possess it. I can get it. I can do it. That's what he was doing up there on that mountain. Others were saying, Huh, what are we going to do? We're like grasshoppers. We're like giants in us. Not Caleb. He said, I can do it. I can do it. I can do all things. Glory to God. I'm following my God all the way holy. That's what he was doing on that mountain. And the Lord said, Surely, it's your inheritance. Surely, it's yours, Caleb. So he goes on to say, Why? Why? And thy children's forever. Not just His, but yours and your children's forever. Why? Here's the official reason why. And it tells us how we can inherit the best that God has for us. Because you wholly followed the Lord your God. And now... See, what's that saying to you and me? That's telling you and me that giving up all to follow Him pays off rich dividends and great rewards even in this life. Godliness is profitable unto all things, including this life right here. I'm going to give you that land that you wanted. You wanted that land? You wanted your house on it? You wanted all the good things inside of it? He says, I'm going to give it to you for an inheritance because you follow Me. Not because you get it on your own. Do you see that? Look at the next verse. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as He said... As he said, if God said it, he'll do it. These 40 and 5 years, he didn't just labor 30 years in the mill. He didn't labor just 35 years in the mill. He didn't just labor 40 years. He went on another 45 years. And at this point in his life, he's 85 years old. Look at that. He's kept me alive these forty and five years even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness and now, lo, I am this day. Happy birthday, Caleb. <laughs> you talk about a birthday present? I am this day. How old, Caleb? Four score and five years old. Eighty-five years old. You think of an 85-year-old person and sometimes we think, well, you know, they're getting a little bit up there. Oh, are you kidding me? Look at at Brother Sam over there. Glory to God. Look what it says here. Eighty-five years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war both to go out and to come in. Now, that was not an idle boast of, a, of an elderly person, 85 years old, ready to fall into his grave. That wasn't a boast of somebody who was just ready to take off and leave this life. He meant what he said. He said, the strength I had then, I have now. I'm ready to war. I'm ready for battle. I'm ready for, to take my land. And you know what he did? You check judge, Judges number, chapter 1, verse 20. He drove out three giants at 85 years old. The children of Anak. He drove them all out of the land to possess his inheritance. Look at the next verse. Now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. It was only proper. It was only fitting that Caleb... 45 years later, would stand on the same mountain. It was the same place. He was there 45 years ago. It was Hebron. It was the mountain He stood on 45 years ago and said, I can do it and I'm going to prove to the children of Israel that when I was speaking back 45 years ago, or 45 years, I wasn't making an idle boast. I could do it. God is with me and I'm going to do it right now. So give me my mountain. He went in there with, his, with the power of God. He drove out the three giants of Anak there. He drove them out of the land. He took possession of the land and Hebron became Caleb's inheritance and his seeds forever and ever. Glory to God. Look at the next verse. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, for and what? (laughs) For what? Follow those who through faith and patience do what? You can follow that. Glory to God. You can follow that. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenesite, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord his God. How are we going to attain God's best? How are we going to achieve God's best? Closely. Now, beloved, here's what I said about Moses. Moses died at 120. Moses would not have died at 120. Moses would have entered in to the promised land and spent many many years in that land of promise. flowing with milk and honey without sickness and disease. See, that's a land to be a- a- attained. That's a land to achieve. We have to set a goal for our lives. You can't be a believer and not set a goal because you'll become lukewarm, stagnant and stale and complacent in this life and you'll never attain to what they've attained. And you've got to follow the right ones. You just can't follow anybody. You know, it saddens my heart when I hear people turn on their radios and their televisions, put on every Christian program they could find and they're putting poison inside their system. And they wonder why they can't believe God. Why? Because you're feeding poison inside your system. can't follow everybody. You can't follow those ten spies. Those ten spies represent the, the division in the church today. Did you know that? Yeah, but you can't believe you receive help from God until you feel it. That's what one came back. Yeah, you could, uh, there's a land of milk and honey, but you know what? There's, just, there's, just, there's giants in the land to keep you out, so don't don't try to get it. Don't say that God's going to help you. Don't say it until you see it, until He drives them out. Don't say it, don't say it. Dear Lord, and people's hearts melt. So we have Christians walk around saying, I can't believe I get healed until I feel it. I cannot believe it. God helps me until I see it. And we're walking around like doubting Thomases. No! Caleb said, There they are! Oh, glory! They're still in the land. Those giants are still out there. Hallelujah! He wasn't getting sad. He says, Oh, give me my mountain. I said, I can do it because God is on my side. He's with me. He didn't see anything happen yet. He said, Let's go. Come on, Lord, let's go. He wiped them all out. He didn't wait for them to leave. Did you notice that they'd made camp for 45 years and wasn't leaving? How long are we going to wait? 45 years, come and gone. Still there? Those giants that are in our minds, the giants of doubt, fear, worry, anxiety, unbelief, they're all there trying to destroy your marriage, trying to destroy your your body, trying to destroy your life, trying to destroy your business, trying to destroy everything you stand and exist for because God's on your side. And they're all up here in this mind. Those giants are in the land. Drive them out with the Word of God. Mountain of fear, go! Go! Mountain of doubt, go. Mountain of unbelief, go. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ. He's on my side. Hallelujah. He strengtheneth me. Caleb said, He's my strength. Didn't he? But someone will say, You can't make a confession like that, brother. You can't? Well, then you'll die in the wilderness. My brother and sister, you can make that confession. The Bible says He will strengthen us in the Old Testament. But in the New it says, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. So, he, if He's our strength, brothers and sisters, we can do it. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah, we can do it. Well, we need to be careful who we follow. Well, I don't know why we got off on that, but i tell you right now, it's, it's time to stop. If you want to get God's best, and I'm getting bold about it, turn off your TVs and turn off Jesus. Turn on Jesus. Turn off, I'm talking about, not, I'm not talking about secular TV. Sometimes it's better to watch, and don't get me wrong when I say this. Watch a cartoon once in a while and forget about what those doubting unbelievers are saying. You shouldn't be filled with the Holy Ghost. I can prove it by Greek and Hebrew. Greek and Hebrew only gives us big heads. Believing Jesus gives us enlarged hearts. Jesus said you'll speak with new tongues. Forget about the rest of them and start speaking with new tongues. Can you say amen? Can you say it in tongues? Thank you, dear Lord. Follow who? Follow who? Jesus. Jesus. Sometimes I think it would be better. And I don't think I know. You say, why do you say that? Well, because look at brothers and sisters. If you put poison in a steak, a dog will eat it and die. If you put poison on a dish, it's not going to eat it. So they put a lot of flowers around the Word of God and put a little poison in it. Oh, yeah, healings for all, except you. You have Paul's thorn. And you walk around saying, I have Paul's thorn. For 45 years in the wilderness. That's right. Oh, but brother, so-and-so said I do. I know, but Jesus said you don't. Oh, Lord. You can follow Jesus closely. You can follow Caleb closely. But if you follow the ten spies, you're going to die prematurely in the wilderness. If you follow Moses too closely, you can learn from them, but don't follow too close because you're going to die prematurely and you're not going to enter into the promised land, although you're a Christian and a good Christian. Do you see what I'm saying? This has nothing to do with you being a, a good or bad Christian. It just tells us there is a way to wholly follow the Lord and there is a way to partially follow the Lord. How do you want to follow the Lord? Then you're going to have to follow those that wholly follow the Lord. Now, I don't think anybody followed followed the Father more closely than Jesus, do you? So, Jesus says, deny yourself. So, what's the first step in following Him? Deny yourself. Second step, take up your cross. Third step, follow me. Well, how about over there in the book of uh, uh, of, Hebrews 6.12 said, be followers of those also who through faith and patience inherit the promise. And Paul did. So, Paul said, follow me. Be followers of me as I am of Christ. So you can do that. Caleb did so you can follow him because he followed the Lord. And Enoch is a fellow that if you get a hold of following that guy, look out because you're off. I mean, you're off. (laughs) We might be off in a minute. (laughs) But now, are you ready for this one? I mean, we've been told to follow the best. Caleb, Joshua, we've been told to follow the best. Jesus. Now, you ready for this final one? Be ye therefore followers of God. Ephesians 5 1. (laughs) Who are you following? Well, Brother So-and-so on TV said that, you know, I just can't expect God to always bless me. You're going to follow God like He's following God? You're not always going to get blessed. But I know them faith preachers saying that God always wants to bless you. You want to get blessed? Start following those that follow Him closely. And listen to what they have to say. Maybe they're just saying something we need to know. Do you see that, beloved? Somebody have died prematurely because they follow the wrong ministries. Oh, I can't tell you how sacred this has become to my spirit. The Lord has spoke to my heart about who to study closely after. And I know why. And I want to help all of us not to miss the mark. I want us all to achieve God's best. Man, we could have a party here. I could just set set aside this teaching ministry and have a party. You know what? We'll all die in the wilderness. It takes work. I mean, it takes diligence to enter into the best that God has for us. And it takes knowledge and understanding and spiritual wisdom. Well, follow God as dear children... And He gave you the the key to following God, Jesus, and those that that follow Him closely. And you know what that is in the next part of that verse? That's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be therefore followers or imitators of God as dear children and walk in love. Even as Christ loved us. So if you're critical about your brother or sister if you're always talking about their faults and failures, you might as well mark yourself right off the bat. I will not enter into or achieve God's best for my life. And what will keep you out? It's tongue-writing. We start criticizing one another in the body of Christ. You know, that's why I don't like to even be exposed to many ministries. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about what they're doing. I'm living for Jesus. I'm following Him. He's my example. I'm going to follow Him closely. And if the Spirit of God speaks in my heart and says, now you follow after this ministry pretty close, I'll do it. Amen. Do you see what I'm saying? So many, just listen to so many other ministries. And don't get me wrong. I thank God for the many ministries. But they need to be led by the Spirit of God. He's our guidance counselor. He's going to lead us in guidance. Well, Jesus went on to say, Jesus went on to say, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6 because that's really where we're supposed to be. That's where we were. Jesus went on to say here in Matthew chapter 6. And you'll begin to see how He tried to instruct His followers not to make the same mistake that the Israelites did in the wilderness. He said in verse 24, that's where we were. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he's going to hold the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And the first thing you're going to say is, well, now how am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to wear? Where are we going to live in? Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Jesus is saying, Take no thought for your life. What you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, nor yet for your body what you're going to put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought or worry or anxiety or fretfulness or fear, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. But yet, what happens? God has clothed them. Solomon, all of his glory wasn't arrayed such as one of these. Will he not much clothed you, O ye little faith? Do you see what he's saying here? When they came out of Egypt, out of the world, the first thing that they talked about was, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Oh, Moses, we left the world. We left Egypt. We had water. We had food. We had provisions. Now, what are we going to do? And you know what he said? Jesus, the first thing he says when you make your decision not to serve riches, you may give up that big paying job. You may give up singing in those nightclubs in, 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 in Vegas and, 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 and performing and where you're making a million dollars a year. You may give all that up and you may start at the bottom and you may get just working for minimum wage. But I'll tell you what, you will gain the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. You'll gain the secret of the kingdom of God, and God will sustain you in life. And Jesus said, when you come out from the world, you have My Word. I'll provide your food. I'll provide your clothing. I'll provide you a place to live. I'll do everything you want done in your life. I'll see to it because I am your Father. That's what He said. That's what He said. Oh, it was frightening, beloved, when we left the world. Yes, I had a job, a good job. Yes, I had provisions. Yes, I had insurance. Yes, I had hospitalizations. And my wife was pregnant, but we said, we walk away from it all. And that's not an easy thing to do. But we did it by what? Faith. And Moses by faith. And Joshua by faith. And Caleb by faith. And they all did it by faith. Put it behind them. I'm seeking the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. I will find the knowledge of God. And they began that journey of faith and God did not disappoint them. He sent down if need be. You say, what if I'm where there is no food? He'll send you food out of heaven. What if there's no meat? He'll send you quails. What if there's no water? Look for a rock. Hallelujah. Do you see what he's saying? So seek the kingdom of God in verse 33 and all his righteousness and all those things will be heaped upon you. The major hindrances... So following God's will in this life, I address myself primarily right now to high school graduates or juniors. And you're about to enter in, and everybody else can benefit from this, but you're about to graduate high school. And you've heard it from the secular field. You've heard it, and maybe even your parents have said it. The best thing for you to do is go to college. I do not disagree with going to college. But may I say something? The number one, the biggest hindrances to following or flowing with the will of God for your life. And that includes everybody. I don't care who you are. Number one, not doing what it takes to find God's will. That's number one. Number two, having no vision. No vision. Number three, not setting personal goals. And if you put those three in order, you're going to find deny self, take up your cross, and follow me. Number one, not doing what it takes to find God's will. What do you mean? And believe me, don't, don't take this wrong, parents or graduates. If the three months you have off from June to the fall are not enough time to find the will, purpose, and plan of God for your life after you graduate. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry.